Hi, and welcome to another episode of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And we have a guest with us today. Uh, hi, Nicola Grekas. Hi. Uh, Nicola comes from Symphony. Would you like to give us a little bit of an intro about yourself, Nicola? Yeah, sure. So I work for Symphony since like six years. That's how I started, um, you know, doing open source also for Symphony. And since then, I did not stop to send you know, pull requests. So right now I do a lot of contribution daily almost since since six years and i work also for i used to work for blackfire as a cto and now since one year i work for symphony the company as engineer there cool yeah um i've seen i've seen you around quite a lot in uh, my sort of passing interest in symphony uh i always i i, I like i seem to have a I, don't, I can't give you any specific examples but i have I have a very good impression of uh, sort of the way you conduct yourself uh, on PRs and and things like that. Everything seems really well put together and explained. And I don't know, it just seems like uh, I I have this good impression of the way you operate. So it's kind of uh, kind of nice to have you on the show. Um, w- one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, the HCTP client component, which is um, it is new. I'm, I believe it's it's released now, isn't it? Was it a couple of months ago it came out? Yeah, we got yeah, a tag, yeah. tag, yeah. So do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, sure. So I work on this um, this winter, and we released that uh, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago as stable as part of Symphony 4.3. And so we wanted a client to um, to build a Symphony Mailer. I don't know if you've heard about Symphony Mailer, but um, you know about Swift Mailer, and Swift Mailer is a kind of old piece of technology that we use in Symfony to send emails. And Fabian wanted to write a new one using modern um, style. And of course, modern style means doing HTTP calls because that's how we send emails nowadays with providers providing APIs. And so that's how we started discussing with a client a few months ago, like maybe one year ago with Fabian. Um, and we, yeah, we figured out we needed a, a, a new component, like being able to do HTTP calls without relying on um, third-party packages that wouldn't um, provide the same backward compatibility and basically processes like Symfony does. I know one of the things that uh, the, the the larger PHP community had was why did we need another HTTP client? Um, so I, I'm sure you've had to weather that storm, and I think that that might be part of uh, what Dave was saying earlier about how you sort of present yourself and present your the, the case for why you needed it, uh, that sort of thing. Like, like I haven't been on the receiving end of well, not I guess that's not true. A few times I've been on the receiving end of people being unhappy with the direction something's going. In my case, it was Fig. Um, in, in your case, it was why didn't you use fig with psr 18 or whatever uh like what, what what has that been like to be on the receiving end of something like that so yeah there have been some surprise effects when i opened the pull requests on the github repository there have been some reactions to that like what you're saying people were wondering why do we need another one um so basically the answer has several um you know aspects one of them is like the policies I mentioned before, uh, we really want to be able to enforce the backward compatibility promise, the, the way we do versioning. So you know about maybe the package principles, 
So build components on top of more stable components. And our opinion is that at that time, um, no existing client provided the stability uh, that would allow us to you know, guarantee like that would be, we would be able to build Symfony Mailer and support it for a long time with the processes around Symfony. So that's one part. And I think it's a pretty significant one. Another one is that um, we have some experience with um, Guzzle because uh, we used it a lot in um, the Blackfire Player. I don't know if you heard about the Blackfire Player, but it's a, it's a web crawler, some tool that is able to, um, that you can program to basically crawl a website and any HTTP endpoint actually in a pretty powerful way. So this one uses Guzzle a lot and it's been a bit painful to use it to do advanced uh, crawling. So that's also part of the experience, like, hmm, can we do better in terms of experience? And I think we, we managed to do that. So that was also a significant motivation. And the third one uh, is what Bo just mentioned, which is about the FIG and the PSR. So you know Symfony is not into PSR 7 uh, for various reasons. And so we couldn't start uh, using you know, PSR 18 as a first class dependency in Symfony because um, that would bring PSR 7 and we don't want to open that, that door for Symfony. We don't need PSR 7 and we want to stay free from that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the first point you made really sort of, um, I understood it uh, when, it, when it all came about. Um, because particularly, it's very easy. But because Guzzle is so popular and other libraries are using it, it's very easy to get version and const version constraint uh, problems where, you know, it, all you need is a couple of libraries that you are consuming to require Guzzle. And then all of a sudden, they've got to keep up with version changes. The, uh, although let's, I'll, I'll be honest, Guzzle has stabilized somewhat, I'd say recently. But I think well, that it's really important to think about the way of how you know relying on uh, stable components and as Symphony, is Symphony is going to be at the core as, as Symphony in the framework sense or in the larger sense, rather than not talking about an individual component here or there, but using a lot of Symphony components together at the same time. Um, you need a stable, something stable to rely on, and it comes packaged together, doesn't it? In a way, and I think uh, I, I think it's a, a, a very sensible decision. Uh, I'm interested to know um, what sort of advanced features you might have. You said you think you could do a few things better than Guzzle. Uh, so, what sort of things, what sort of extra things can we expect from the HTTP client? So, the client is uh, is built for um, async and HTTP two. So, I have some crazy experiments. Uh, in crazy scripts. I mean, crazy because I was surprised by the results. Um, just using a, a quite simple API, um, you are able using a Symfony HTTP client to do a lot of queries uh, concurrently using doing streaming and multiplexing and so on. And the API is just simple. Um, compared to Promises, I think it's more flexible as, because you know, Promises uh, add some design Overhead that's needed and that's a good way of doing things. But um, when your application is full of callbacks and promises everywhere, sometimes you lose your mind um, to understand what's going on. 
And I think the client provides some generators. So basically it's doing things the, the reverse way instead of um, putting your code inside callbacks, it allows you to iterate over a network activity on the, from the outside of, um, yeah, of the client. So, you know, maybe React PHP and AM PHP. So that's two async uh, frameworks. And they also have this kind of difference. What React PHP is doing callbacks every, everywhere. And AM PHP is using coroutines and generators. And, and Symfony HTTP client is more on the side of AM PHP in this regard. Okay, that sounds cool. So um, you mentioned, going back to um, the requirement for the mailer component, my understanding is that um, does it come, does it ship with a number of uh, providers out of the box, the mailer component? Yes, uh, not technically out of the, of the box because we split the providers. Okay, it simply packages. provides. Yes, but out of the box, there are, you can just require, let's say the SendGrid or the MailChimp uh, bridge, and those would actually send through the providers. Okay, and, and for those same sort of um, reasons like stability and stuff, did you choose to create the bridge uh, to use the Symfony HTTP client rather than, say, use the SDKs that some of those providers might provide? Yeah, absolutely. That's why yeah, we that, did it, yeah. That makes sense to me. I, my personal experience has quite often been that the APIs that they provide usually do enough for me with a bare HTTP call. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often, it's very rarely that I've ever wanted to use some of the more advanced features of the, the email uh, providers, if you like, that might require or might make you want to use the SDKs. Uh, so I've usually ended up writing my own transports, if you like, for Swift Mail. Swift Mail, we called them transports for Swift Mail, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of cool. I'm 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 pleased about that. I sometimes it feels like the SDKs, um, particularly in PHP. I don't know. I might be doing some people a disservice with this, but sometimes I feel uh, that some of these providers they they tend to have a, an SDK for PHP, but sometimes it's a bit of a second class citizen. Uh, you know, they maybe generate it from some documents or something, and then somebody comes along and checks it briefly, but they spend more time on the JavaScript SDK, probably gets the most effort from those providers. Um, so again, I'm just generally, I try and stay away from them if I can and just use the API with a HTTP client manually. So that's cool. So, um, so what else can you tell us about the HTTP client? Yeah, so um, I'm very happy I just finished the doc and I tweeted about that. Um, so there's a lot of things in the documentation to explain that, just saying for people that want to, to have a look later. Um, to be honest, in the mailer component, we just need to do basic HTTP calls like one trip, you know, request response, you don't need uh, concurrency and so on. So um, of course, I went further than just what we strictly required for the mailer component um, because I think it was uh, it's nice to have a Symfony component that provides and covers the, all the advanced, the simple ones, and the advanced use cases also um, for HTTP. So yeah, uh, in terms of performance, there is the API that is uh, lazy by default, which laziness is the way to achieve you know concurrency because you start request and nothing happens yet, and then you read the response and suddenly all res- all requests that you sent before are all monitored together. 
And so that's part of the concurrency framework and design of the component, and that's why it works. There's another thing that I discovered uh, like this week, I didn't expect it, which is uh, another performance benefit from um, the design of it is um, that when you do um, sequential like asynchronous requests, uh, it's still faster. And I discovered that it was a surprise and I wondered why. And the answer is pretty simple. Um, it's that the client is able to keep the connection open um, between calls. And I think no other clients have that design that allows that. So that, you know, you open the first, you do a first request to, let's say, the GitHub API, and then the TCP connection takes time to open the first time because you need to do DNS resolution, SSL negotiation, and so on. And the second time, you don't need to do that anymore with a client. So I think that's a nice um, effect, side effect of the design of the component. And yeah, I'm very happy about that. Um, so I, I did not do any benchmark yet, and we have some um, some to do actually. Okay, so so just to be clear, are you using uh, just raw sockets for this, or is uh, you so you don't use Kel Multi or anything like that? Oh, the hood? sure. So yes, there are two uh, implementation for transport. One is Curl, and that's the most advanced one because you know, of course, the client basically is just a wrapper around Curl. Curl is the powerful thing under the hood. And the second implementation is based on fopen, um, yep. the HTTP stream wrapper. And this one is basic. You cannot do that kind of open. Yeah, so no pers- no persistent connections or anything like that. Yeah. With that, just with the curl implementation. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um so so things like so you mentioned HTTP two support. Um how much of how much of that is Symphony and how much of that is curl? Is that uh, it's technically it's only curl. And Symfony is providing the design that uh, the API gives, to, to yeah use it. yeah exactly the API so the API is compatible with that that's quite um, um, not the case on let's say PSR eighteen which is the PSR that um, um, recom- for recommendation that is built by the Fig you know and PSR eighteen is almost not compatible I mean it's not compatible with HTTP two or if it is it doesn't leverage concurrency at all the design doesn't allow uh, concurrent request, so it's only for simple request response synchronous ones. So um, yeah, that's why the design is very important to give you um, yeah access to the low level features. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I think I saw a uh, something on Twitter from you relatively recently um, about wishing that your wishing that you could ship just interfaces no concrete classes, and just provide traits. Uh, did you, did, is that part of HTTP client? Did you do that with HTTP client in some sense? Yes, absolutely. Can, can you can, can you go into more detail about that? Because I think I've seen people yeah, sure. asking about that too. Like, why is it done this way? How do I extend it if it's all traits? That sort of thing. Okay. So, um, so that's Symfony contracts. I don't know if you've heard about that. So, um, since um, for the tools, like six months ago, we released Symphony Contracts, and Symphony Contract Contracts is exactly this uh, project I had. Um, so it's only interfaces, wordings around that to explain how some implementation must behave. So like a specification for the implementation, and traits to ship some default implementation for some behaviors that are described as words. So. 
Um, the, that happens for a translation because I did that uh, a few months ago, but that happens also for HTTP client. So HTTP client is really two things because um, the implementation is decoupled from the contract, from the abstraction of it. So there are two packages actually for HTTP client. One is the Symfony contract HTTP client or Symfony HTTP client contracts, that's the name of the package. And the other one is the, is the Symfony HTTP client component. And so the component is the implementation. It requires the, the contract and the contract contains only interfaces, minimum, minimal one, and a few threads, just because, you know, when you add words around interfaces and saying, oh, this must behave like that and that in this situation, this can be coded uh, in threads. But actually the threads is just a good way to start, but don't, you don't have to use um, them at all to code the correct implementation. It's just easier. So that's just a, uh, a tool. Like a, like a reference implementation. Yes, absolutely. So are, are the traits actually shipped next to the interfaces in the contract? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Matt, I like that. That sounds good. It's it's very easy to uh, to uh, to confuse the words contracts with API, isn't it? You know, an API is the, literally the interface to the thing, and the contract is involves far more than the API. The contract is uh, an agreed way of behaving. So it's, an API literally boils down to this is the call I make, whereas the contract is, this is the call you can make, and this is how you can expect me to behave or expect me to work. Uh, yeah, we forget that sometimes. So, so that sounds really good to me. I like that. How, how have you found actually working with it in real life? Um, like, what kind of tooling do you have in place? I, I haven't done a whole lot with traits in the past, but I've seen different projects use them to varying degrees of success. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the actual tooling, like there, there is no relationship between a trait and an interface. You can't have a trait implement an interface, for example. Uh, have you run into any like gotchas with that or if, have people in the real world now come back with situations where things don't work quite as you had hoped? So about traits, you mean? Yeah. So traits um, is a concept that she, is a way to shape a behavior. And I think that's quite uh, important to understand what it means. And the behavior is something that should be functional. In, you know, in terms of functional programming, it should be, it should have no side effect. That's what being functional means, um, actually, in this context. And so a trait should just be a way to process something, input, processing, output, and the processing of the implementation is a trait, right? And so a lot of object-oriented concepts disappear and don't exist in the trait world. So that's, I think, the difficult thing that people don't get first and need some, you know, understanding and experience because it's just unexpected. You know, people would like to have a trait be able to implement an interface, like you said, but it doesn't make sense, actually. It's just a behavior. But the, but the, tra but the traits have the same functions, or at least a subset of the functions exposed by the interface, right? Yeah, right, but it's just a coincidence. It's a nice one because it makes things easy to wire by default, but actually when you import a trait, when you use a trait, you can change the name of a method. You can change its visibility. So it's basically like, like copy-paste, you know? And if you want to change the signature, it's pretty easy. You import that as a private method, even if it's public in the trait, and then you write, you wrap the implementation in some public API that the class 
uh, Unit provides. So that works also this way. And I, I, I like this quite much. Um, it's a better way to me, or it may be not better, but it's a simpler way um, than designing um, you know, interfaces to provide extensibility. Um, someone asks um, this question on Symfony, so there's an issue where I explain and I gave my opinion on that topic, like why isn't there some extensibility interface to be able to create a plugin inside the HTTP, so another internal interface for building plugins for HTTP client interface, you know? And so why do you ship traits and so on? So that was the question. And basically, the reason is that because it's simpler to ship that, because you don't need to build that design that I don't know what it would look like, actually, uh, the design to provide like plugin system. And the threads just provide the implementation for things that are not obvious, and then people do what they want. And so that's one aspect. And another one is from the maintenance point of view, um, it's more complex actually to maintain um, a design than to maintain behaviors. If the behaviors don't have side effects, that's the big red flag. If you create a thread and the thread has side effects, you're completely out of, you know, uh, track. And yeah, it eases maintenance and it doesn't forces me to think uh, ahead of time about things I don't, I can't answer now. I have a question. Um yeah. For somebody like me who may be a couple of years behind on Symfony releases, uh, what's the, what does the dependency graph look like for the HTTP component? Does it does the component rely on the contracts, and is there anything deeper than that thereafter? So that's a critical part of the design also of the component. We want every component to have as few dependencies as possible, and that's the case for the client. So the client has only like three lines in the require um, composer JSON file. One is PHP seven point one. Okay. Uh, the, the other one is like the contracts, Symfony HTTP client contracts, because that's the main abstraction we use. And then there's another one, which is a very technical one, a boring one, like Symfony polyfill for PHP 7.3, uh, which is not, you know, it's just there because we want to be able to throw JSON exception and throwing that means, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Because, um, I mean... It, it took me a while to get onto Symphony 3, and uh, I'm going to be stuck there for a little while longer. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you can move to Symphony 2 PHP 7.1, you can use the client even if you're still in Symphony 3. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm well, I'm well ahead on. I'm, I'm, I'm always fine keeping up with uh, PHP versions. Just Symphony versions are a little bit more difficult for me to jump <laughs> around. So. I'm trying to double check here to make sure that I'm following correctly. And the, it looks like. Looks like the translation package has a trait in the contract. Yes, but but I don't see any traits in the HTTP client. You're right. Actually, I I had, there was a trait this winter, but we moved it to the component. Okay. So yes, actually, for the I didn't remember exactly, but for the contracts of the client, there is no need for we don't ship any implementation for. Okay. I I. I I just, I just want to make sure I understand. When, when I saw you talk about this, it sounded interesting. So I was curious how you were actually distributing it. And then I wanted to look at it more and I couldn't see it. So, okay, cool. Um, it's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> 
So another thing that is in the Composer JSON file is the provide section. I don't know if you had a look at that. Uh, in the provide section, we are, we so it's a way to declare what this component provides in terms of abstraction, and there are three of them that are listed, uh, maybe two of them in 4.3, and there is a third one in 4.4 that is going to be released in a few months. So one is the uh, Symfony HTTP client implementation, right? So um, we declare that this implements the contracts, which is obvious. And there's another one, which is the, the PSR HTTP client implementation. So this is uh, advertising that we implement PSR 18. So actually, we do implement PSR 18. I, I actually noticed that, and I brought this up to Dave as soon as I saw it. I had done a search for PSR 18 on GitHub just out of curiosity, and I noticed Symphony popped up at the top. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> Uh, after all of that, um, Symphony's still at the top on PSR 18, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So so you actually have a PSR 18 implementation, or is it just advertising? No, we do have. Actually, it's pretty simple. Once we have the contract, the contract is more powerful, much more powerful than PSR 18. So then mm -hmm. when you have something powerful, you can very easily implement PSR 18. So if you have, if you have a look, it's a very quite simple class with a few lines of code to, to do queries the PSA 18 way using the HTTP client uh, interface implementation we provide. Using the PSR 7 bridge? Does it yeah. have to use the PSR 7 bridge or not no, even? You don't have to have the, to use the bridge. The bridge is for bridging PSR 7 and HTTP foundation. Okay. But yeah, then you need to have some um, response factories and string factories because that's the way PSA 7 world works. And for that, we have there is a package that um, Tobias Neon created, which is called Neon PSR7, and it's very straightforward implementation of PSR, PSR7 and PSR17. And so, if you have it, we use it by default. Like we detect it and we use that so that actually you don't have to provide the factories. So that's yeah. Actually, when when you use PSR18, it's like you open a door and the door comes with like numbers, like what I'm using now. And numbers means symptomic implementation. Then you have ten objects before being able uh, to do a request. So, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we try to make that simple, also. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to use it, but I do intend to have a good look at it at some point. So I think uh, I think Bo wanted to ask you a few questions about uh, Symphony. You mentioned earlier on that you you're now working for Symphony, the company. The company. Uh, what what did you want to get into on that, Bo? Well, I was just curious how that that is going. Um, I was I was still a part of Blackfire when uh, Blackfire was a part of Sensio, as was Symphony. Um, but I sort of lost track about how things have sort of gone. Um, it's, it seemed like an interesting project to sort of extract Symphony from Sensio. Uh, since then, Sensio has been acquired by somebody else. Um, I just I, I was just curious how how that whole process has gone down. Uh, what things have changed for you? What sort of things have changed for Symphony itself? Uh, what kind of impact has it had? Uh, maybe on like the events too, because I think the the Symphony events and all of the Sensio. Live, or the Symphony Live events and Symphony Con, those are all a part of the Symphony yes. organization now, right? Yeah. Yes. So, um, because Sensio Labs was about to be acquired by Smile in France, 
um, Fabian split Blackfire and Symphony as separate companies, so that Smile would not acquire this business units. So now the business units are independent companies. And a small team um, went into each company, so I didn't go into the Blackfire boat, but into the Symphony one. Um, so Symphony has a mission which is supporting and supporting Symphony and also um, making money, like being sustainable, that's the minimum, and maybe make money if it's, um, you know, success is uh, always a good thing. So um, the we started with, um, and we still have the business of the events. So that's part of things that create some revenue for and support my salary, so my contributions. And um, we also have the certification, which is part of the business of Symphony, the company. It's not creating much revenue, but we it's part of Symphony, so it's not, it's not part of Sensor Labs. There is Symf uh, Symphony Cloud. So Symphony Cloud, I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's a hosting. Uh, so we are providing hosting for Symphony projects uh, using some platform as a service uh, offer. So if you want to provide to host a Symphony project, Symphony Cloud might be the best option in terms of efficiency. It's just tailored to host Symphony projects. And Symphony projects uh, are not only about PHP nowadays. So actually, this provides a way to, to host Go binaries and Node.js binaries side by side next to the Symphony and the PHP uh, thing. So that is, of course, Redis and so on. So yeah, so that's part of the business. It's kind of um, uh, the beginning of this story. So Symphony Cloud is growing. And we hope it is going to be much, much more bigger than it is now. So we are betting on it. And we are doing more conferences. And for Symphony, it means that for Symphony, the open source project, it means that um, nothing changed. Basically, I'm still doing uh, contributions to Symphony, the open source. And I'm, a part of my time is sponsored by uh, Symphony, the company. And I also have business objective in terms of business actually so yeah i think that's for the best of the open source project having some you know company that is caring about making the uh, community active providing professional services around that i mean like like the one i mentioned uh, i mentioned cool and um so so you haven't noticed any any changes for the better or for the worse like for, as far as the project goes like uh, it, it seems like the project is still quite healthy you get, uh, between Messenger and HTTP client and Mailer. A bunch of brand new big components are coming out. I mean, it seems like like things are still going ahead as as as, as well as they have been from the outside, anyway. Yeah, Symphony, the open source project, is wow. It's it's crazy active. I mean, I go away for one day and I have fifty emails from different people that do bug fixes and report bugs and do pull requests and move things forward. It's quite incredible, actually. So sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm the only one pushing things forward. I spend my weekend, my evenings. Actually, I'm not the only one. Fabian does yeah. it. <laughs> and a few other people are very active. And then I go on holiday for two weeks. And then I look at my inbox and I say, wow, I don't need to be here because the boat is moving forward on its own. So yeah, I'm just adding my contribution, of course. Mm -hmm. But awesome. Symphony is crazy active. And I think that there's a lot of reasons uh, of, about the why of that. But I think the project is pretty well structured to be able mm -hmm. to accept contribution quite easily compared to other open source projects, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Um, I mean, I mean the only time will tell how it goes, but I think a proactive approach to this, I mean, if you, you could draw some parallels. It's difficult quite because of Symphony's popularity now, but you could draw some parallels to Rogue Wave's acquisition of uh, Zend. Um, you know, that happened a few years ago, right? And a few months ago, they literally sort of like dropped Zend Framework. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and that's kind of like that. That's the that's the the sad way, isn't it? You know, they 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 acquired Zend, and let's face it, they didn't acquire Zend for Zend Framework, did they? They acquired Zend for the uh, the service provide provi- provide inside of the, the business, possibly the Zend Studio. I don't know though. I don't really know what's left of that. But and um, in in this kind of manner, they could have looked at doing something like that along the lines of separating out Zen Framework into another company at that point rather than going two years down the line of probably some wishy-washy experience and then eventually them just sort of like cutting cutting the framework loose, so cutting the open source project loose further down the line rather than... So I think, I, I think this approach definitely has its merits and I hope it goes really well for you. Um, mm mm-hmm. I get the impression it will uh, just like I say, uh, just from the way uh, I've seen you con- conduct things or conduct your business. Um, I- I'm sure you'll have much success. So, yeah, I hope to. <laughs> how, how, so, as far as events, um, I think you were in South America recently. Uh, there was a was it a Symphony Live event? Yeah, first Symphony Live in South America. Yeah. yeah, and I think there was was there one in Asia this this year too. Uh, it was not a it was not a symphony live. Uh, like in October, Fabian went there to do a meetup. Ah, okay. It's like a pre-symphony live event to see to feel uh, the community yeah. there and see how much traction mm-hmm. uh, there could be to create cool. one, maybe. Um, but there isn't going to be one in the U.S. this year, or is there? No, not this year. Uh, we would like to make one in one year from now. So. And actually, we are looking for help for that because, you know, having help from local people is always uh, very important. So if there is anyone on the East Coast, especially, um, that could provide us some venue or any kind of support, we'd be super happy to. Cool. Yeah, I think that uh, well, both Dave and I are, are longtime Symphony users. I think that Dave maybe predates me by a little while, but... My very first conference was a Symphony Live in Portland. Uh, while well, one of my very first conferences was Symphony Live in Portland. Definitely the first one I spoke at. Um, so I, I have a special place in my heart for Symphony Live events in the U.S. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm happy to hear that that it's on the table at least for next year. Still, yeah, yeah. That was my that was my first speaking engagement as well. Was that 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 conference in cool. Portland? Cool. So we need to make one to make yes. Please help. <laughs> yeah, nice. Cool. Well, um, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, Nicola, or did you, Dave? No, oh, I'm good. Um, I, I wanted I wanted to let Nicola do the talking, so yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I hadn't really planned on talking about anything. <laughs> so I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was very happy to be with you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, and keep up the good work. Like I said, uh, I, I get the feeling uh, your avatar on GitHub. You've got a really big smile on. Or maybe I'm just imagining yeah. that. 
And, I, yeah. and maybe that's part of it. You know, every time I open a PR, there's like this really nice smiley avatar. I think <laughs> it's I, my superpower. Yeah. <laughs> the smiley is my superpower. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. It's good. It, uh, it's far better than something dreary or, you know, or just random. I think it's, I think it's nice. Sometimes I post comments and I'm upset by the way the conversation is going, but I still have the smile, so that's fine. That's right, yeah. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right, well, if nobody has anything else, I guess we can call this one a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O. 